Hello, wonderful people. This is Jason English with Things About Things, simplifying concepts without sacrificing depth. New intro jingle, new full version coming up in a moment. Before we get to the conversation, I want to say thanks to the 101 of you, 101 patrons now of this podcast. So for those of you that give, whether it be a dollar a month or more, thank you so much for your support. Uh, My full goal is 300 patrons, but to get to 100 is amazing. Thank you so much. You make this podcast possible. I am so thankful. Uh, Everything from the ability to have some equipment to pay for website stuff and all those things, but also to get closer to my goal to be able to make some more professional video teaching shorts. Your support is making that possible, and I'm actually working on one right now with a friend of mine that's a professional videographer. We have the B-roll, been working on it about a year now, getting footage for all four of the seasons, and then the spoken word thing will be coming here in the next month or two, and all that is possible because of your support. Thank you. If you are not yet a patron and are interested in becoming one, I would appreciate it. You can go to patreon.com slash things about things. So it's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash things about things. And give a buck a month or more. I would really appreciate the support. Okay, so this conversation, it went so well with my friend Jeff Gregory. So he's the head baseball coach of Wingate University baseball team. And um, and we were roommates his freshman year, my sophomore year. So we played together in the late 90s. And it was just so clear to so many of us that he really had something special in terms of coaching. Great player as well, but he always had that mindset of a coach. And uh, so we were roommates and and players on the same team, teammates in the 90s. He has now been the head baseball coach at Wingate for 11 seasons. And this, about a month ago or so, um, won the national championship for Division II college baseball. I was able to go to stay there the whole week at the at the World Series, where eight teams out of the almost 300 Division II schools, eight teams, and then they um, play for the week in Cary, North Carolina, and I was able to be there all week and watch, and it was phenomenal to watch them continue to win, to play so hard. It was like reliving my childhood, really, watching that many games in a row and seeing people that I hadn't seen in 20-plus years, and... Yeah, so Jeff Gregory, I, I asked him if he'd have a conversation with me about baseball, and that became kind of like Wingate. Uh, so that's W-I-N-G-A-T-E, sometimes referred to as Wingate University, locally called Wingate University. And so I played there in the 90s and haven't really kept up too much except for watching online. Sometimes they'll be on ESPN Plus and just kind of, you know, just like a be able to watch it online and stuff like that. But I was able to go in person and watch that week and just over the years have just kept up with Jeff and, and asked him how he's doing his family and his coaching strategy. And, you know, they've won conference, they've gone to regional, but this is the first time the team's ever gone to the world series. And of course the first time they've ever won the national championship, which they did a month ago. So we talk wing it, 
we talk baseball. And for those of you especially that you don't really get baseball or why anyone would like it, I think you might really enjoy this conversation that we had. And for those of you that already love baseball, I think you'll really appreciate some of the nuanced things that we talk about. It was just a fun conversation. So thankful to my former roommate, head baseball coach, and now national champion coach, Jeff Gregory, for this great conversation. this conversation about baseball I mean it's a it could go in a million different directions and I purpose, purposely didn't want to script it so it could be like this pure conversation but two two aspects of this conversation I want to go down uh two roads one is winget and like sometimes people might hear me say wingate even though we know it's winget it's sort of the joke was it's winget but if you if you call the you know the financial department they'll probably answer and say wingate university you know uh, why, why wing it for you? Like, why is, why is wing it culture been what you've been a part of your whole adult life? Why are you the wing it baseball coach? Uh, I don't know. Okay. I, I guess for me, cause it goes back to what my experience was and, and things such as that. So growing up in a town about an hour east, hour and a half east of where Wingate University is, um, that all my friends, as we were going to school and looking to go to different places, we would go, like there was pockets of us that would go to all the same institution, whether it be an NT State, a Wilmington, a Chapel Hill, an Appalachian State, UNC Charlotte. And for me, you know, I fell in love with the game of baseball grew up with it. I wasn't the best player. I developed late. I was a late bloomer. Um, I had a lot of friends of mine that were really, really talented players, really good players that had a chance to go on and play bring bigger, bigger schools uh, and or drafted, you know, even out of a small town. But part of my personality was, is I was very much an introvert growing up. And it was really hard for me to talk to people that I didn't know. Um, I was bashful, so to speak, very shy in general. So as it started coming time to go to schools and look at schools and, and everything else, I knew baseball wanted to be part of the equation. And, you know, but education was part of the part of the equation. And so my stepdad started to help me look around in different places. And there were some connections to Wingate University through, through the small town and or through my family uh, that were here. But the one thing that stuck out once I once I came to school here or came on my visit. Um, my sister was at school at Wake Forest at the time, and the campus really reminded us of, of a smaller version of Wake Forest. But then the other part of it became started kind of coming down a decision, besides the fact I was going to get the opportunity to go to play baseball here and walk on the program, at least get an opportunity, was that nobody else from my town went to school here. So I was going to be the only one from where I grew up that would come to school here. So part of that decision, and even at 18, was this will be a really good experience for me because it's going to force me to do something that, that I'm not comfortable doing. 
it was going to force me to meet a bunch of strangers and then figure out how to navigate it, so to speak. So for me coming in here, it just, it opened up a lot of doors, so to speak. And it created, I not only created an opportunity, but it forced me to do something I wasn't comfortable with, like I just said. And so then I started meeting all these people and made all these great friends and really dove into what the school was about. And I met people from all across the country. It opened my eyes to a lot of things, a lot of good experiences, had a great education, a lot of great professors. But the really the school really takes you in. It's a family mm-hmm. and it's a smaller institution. So you get to know people. You weren't a number, so to speak. Um, and people just genuinely cared about your success. And, you know, it wasn't a path that I originally chose that I was going to be here my entire career, you know, I'm looking to go to different places. You know, uh, you know, for me, when I realized that I was not going to be a professional athlete, but the, the desire for me was I wanted to get into player personnel, player development, because I would go back in and I would work out with my buddy that was playing professionally at the time. And I really was drawn to like how all that stuff was put together. And that's just how my mind always worked. Yeah. And so I wanted to get a, I had a sport management undergrad, but I was like, I need to have a business background to be able to get into that, to be able to understand how all that works. I wanted to get an MBA. And at the time, one of my other former teammates was the first graduate assistant here at the university. And he was getting where he was about to be done with it. So I needed to take a year. I knew that I could get that job and I wanted that job. I lived in some other places, but it just never panned out. I emailed some coaches and emailed some places and just never really got a response back. Um, and so I became the graduate assistant here, which basically paid for my school, gave me a roof over my head and get a meal plan and a small stipend. When I say small stipend, I mean a small stipend. Um, but the beauty of it that became that everything I wanted to do at the professional level was happening at the college level, the recruiting aspect of it, the day-to-day practices. I love that. So your player development, your player personnel, so to speak, that you would see at those, at at the professional level, it was happening here. My stepdad was an educator. My mom was an educator. My stepdad was also a coach. My grandmother was an educator. So it kind of ran through the family and it just kind of stuck. And as the past started opening up, yeah, I'd interviewed in some different places, tried to find some jobs after I got done with my graduate assistant position. And it just, it never worked out, like to be able to go somewhere else. But there was a lot of people that kind of invested in me that gave me some advice or whatever. And just the way it's worked out, I've stayed. Yeah. And it's different than most people's. Yeah. Um, you don't see it where you get a chance to work for different head coaches and be around different people at the same place at the same institution. And it's just, I didn't fight it, so to speak. Yeah. It just, I let the path carry itself out. And, but it's been very unique after going to school here and now being here afterwards for another 20 years. It's just phenomenal. Yeah. Um, the place is really taking me in, it's really supported me. It's brought my family in. I'm able to raise my son through this environment. So he's been to other coaches' camps. He's been around, you know, some other people. Yeah. You know, Gary Hamill is still one of my dear, dear friends. And he's the, you know, he's been the head soccer coach here for years. And we got here about the same time. Yeah. And he's just treated me. He's always treated me like his family. And so whenever I needed something, he was always there. Yeah. You know, not necessarily if, just whatever. Maybe it's just support. And he's, right. but he's also treated my son the same way. He's treated my wife the same way. It's just a phenomenal human being. And that's what this place is about. Like there's just so many good people here that 
genuinely care about everybody's success that wants you to be whatever you want to be good at or want to work towards that they're there to support you. They're there to make it happen. Do they challenge you? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But are they supportive of it? Yes. And it's just kind of worked out that way. And mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's been very rewarding in that regard, to be honest with you. Yeah. I, I love that family aspect of it. And I guess I didn't really mean for this conversation to be a pitch for people to go to wing it, but we might as well throw it in there. I mean, well, I, it, 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 it <laughs> it's makes a great sound place like that, to be. That's, that's the genuine answer. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. and that's what this place is about. And you know, I, it's, you know, even accomplishing what we just accomplished, it's been exciting that so many people have rallied around it, but it shows you how important it is and how much people genuinely care. Yeah. This place let, is you because know, you, of how it treated everybody else. You had a certain experience, different experience than anybody else winning the national championship, being the head coach on the field. But um, I'm sure you've heard stories, but I'll tell you, man, I was there a week and I saw professors that were retired that I hadn't seen in 20 years. They remembered me. I remembered them. Yes. Uh, we were crying, hugging, uh, yes. not just, not just when we won the national championship, but in particular, the game that got us into the final game. Right. There were, I, for some reason, I think I, there were more tears in that one. When we won, it was more of cheering and yay. And everything. but when we, when we got into the game, I saw people crying um, you know, Dr. Christopher, um, you know, so just this connection that, you know, only you and I listening will probably understand the nuances of, but just to reinforce this family thing. Right. So the wife of the man who our stadium is named after also, a, you know, her longtime professor, uh, very longtime professor, Beverly Christopher. And, um, I married the great niece of um, Carolyn Gaddy, Carolyn Caldwell Gaddy, who was Dr. Christopher's professor from a long long time ago. And I hadn't seen her in many years. And I saw her at one of the games and when game ended and we're walking back to our cars and I said, "Uh, Dr. Christopher, I'm not sure if you remember me, uh, but, and she goes, Jason English, of course I remember (laughs) you. And it was sort of like I married her professor's great niece. And, and she goes, she said, Jason, there are only so many shortstops that we've had. And you were one of them, you know, because in my mind, it's been 20 years, 20, 22 years. And I can't imagine she'd remember. Me. I've seen her a few times over the years. Right. And in her mind, she's like, well, I could probably name off. I could, I could count all the guys that were standing there at shortstop and you were one of them. And of course right. I remember who you are. And it just made me feel so special, you know, cause I was, you know, I walked onto the program and, and kind of was always kind of this uh, utility player slap hitter hustle, try to make my way. And, and I did, and I got on the field and I played and was part of the program. And it made me feel good that she actually remembered that I was part of the program, yeah. you know, that's, that's Wingate. That that's is. And, and, uh, and it's, it's not, it's, it's genuine. It's as genuine as anything I've seen. Yeah. When you said the thing about when you realize you weren't going to be a major league baseball player or a professional baseball player, I think that's an important moment in, in everyone's life that plays sports. Um, that, you know, even the fact that we were able to play college baseball already mm-hmm. puts us in this, in this low percentage of people who have that privilege to do that. 
then then you go like to the to the next level of professional that's a whole nother level and then to go not just to play minor league baseball to become a major league baseball player it is absurdly difficult you have to be in the right, right place at the right time with the right skills and and you still might not even make it right and so it's i think it's important for any athlete to realize that i mean they should still pursue their dreams 100 percent, sure. but that the chances are likely that there will be a moment that it occurs to you that you're not that you're probably not going to make it and then of course for most there will be not just that it occurs to you but you will not you won't be that. And for me, I'll tell you what it was. And I told Timmy this, Timmy still, mm-hmm. it was him. I transferred to Wingate and I saw him hit. He hit a home run that he had one of the most pure swings I've ever seen. Right. The shortstop jumped for it. The shortstop jumped at the chance of maybe hit catching the line drive and the back spin that he put on it. It just kept going over. Right. And I was a sophomore and I just looked at him and I just went, Oh my God, I'm not going to be a major league baseball player. Right. <laughs> it was just like, I could never, I don't even understand how a human being does what I just saw. <laughs> right. So then I just spent the rest of my college career just going, I'm going to work hard and be the best college baseball player I can be based on my skill set. And, and that was that. And then, but it's been half of a life after that, you right. know, that I have, that I haven't really been a baseball player, so to speak, but, but it's still in my bones. It's still in my soul. And I want to talk a little bit about that. Like, so I asked why Wingate, but why baseball? Like, why is baseball your thing? Why did you fall in love with it? Why did you want to play it? And then why did you want to stay in it? You know, I don't know. That's an interesting (laughs) question. And you could probably go nobody's really ever asked me that question before mm-hmm. um i guess it was a challenge of it for me to start with from a personal standpoint like if i had to pick a natural game that was my natural game mm-hmm. it was golf like i picked up a golf club at four years old i could swing it and can do it and my sister was like you know you just like you instantly could could swing it a golf sense club. to you yeah it did and like you can take technique out or learning the mechanics of it, whatever it may be. Uh, but I, I could just do it. Baseball wasn't something that was natural to me. And I don't know. I, I just I just always enjoyed it. I, I guess I enjoyed the idea of being on a team and being around and the challenge of it, the difficulty in it. And then as I just wanted to work at it and it just clicked for me. I could see the game differently, I guess you could say. So like I maybe couldn't execute it as good as somebody else. But then from a natural standpoint, I could look at something and I could see it. Like I could physically see that and go, okay, this is what he needs to be able to do. He can do that. He can do this. And even at a young age. And then Mm -hmm. again, I go back to like my stepdad. We talked the game a ton. We talked about it a lot, like whether it be going to a car ride to practice or just going making some trips, but passion started to develop, but there was probably, if you want to go deeper than that, probably some people that were involved in the game as I grew up that became really good mentors and just were, you know, like coaches that I had, mm-hmm. um, people that be- ended up becoming a really big impact on my life. 
And so I guess if you start connecting dots, like when you have that, I think we as people, we always enjoy being surrounded mm-hmm. by people that make it that make a positive difference on our life. And, you know, so if you start combining it, I just, I loved it. And right. I don't, I, I, it's something I did, it's something I invested in and I put a lot of time into it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, when I graduated from school, I didn't have it. And then, so I had a year off where I actually went and worked in the golf profession mm-hmm. and I just kept going back and coaching wasn't anything I talked about. Mm-hmm. And it was about getting into professional baseball, but like it was getting into player personnel, player development, mm-hmm. but it was still trying to figure out, cause as you're growing up and going through college and everything else, you're really trying to become, it's a time when you're becoming an adult, you know, when you're maturing and you're trying to grow in that and you're, you're becoming independent and you're learning how to deal, you know, with life on your own, so to speak. And, and to be honest, when you like, you know, the path of going back to get my graduate degree and started coaching, it just fit. Like, you know, when you start searching, you're like, what am I going to do? Like, what's, what's, what's my path going to be? And you're trying to figure all these things out. And then you start doing something and you're just going, Oh, I love this. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. And, 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 and so I genuinely say that when I started coaching, I, ever since I started, I haven't worked a day of my life in 20 years. And, I, and you you always taught like find something that you're passionate about, find something that you want to do, find something that you love to do, and then do it. And that's really it. And I was passionate about it. I love what the game provided me. I mean, it provided me with an education. It provided me with a tremendous experience, and it did a lot for me. So then it became about okay, what well, did this for me? So now I guess I could be one of those mentors, and you know, and the family's yeah. gotten one of those teaching backgrounds. And just, I guess it's just kind of how I was, how my mind works, so to speak, and how I genuinely care about it. And, and so it's been about giving back mm-hmm. because it was, I mean, it's really provided a life for me. And so now it's like, okay, well, hey, maybe they can have that impact on somebody else. Right, right. And then that's really kind of how it panned out, to be honest with you. Let me read you a quote, Ernie Banks quote. <clears throat> So I guess the question was, why do you love baseball? And um, I guess for those, uh, before I read it, some people might not know who Ernie Banks is. And for the sake of time, I'll just let you research that. But some people listening might be like, baseball seems fun and everything, but it's a little bit boring and I don't really get it. And I'm hoping that this conversation will make, maybe have people reconsider uh, to try to fall in love with baseball and see it for the purity of what it is. So Ernie Banks Cubs legend. He says, it's just life. When I think about baseball, it's just life. It's really the way life is. It requires a lot of mental capacity to be involved in it. It creates a lot of joy for people and memories for people who follow it. It's a family. You like it because it's a family. You started with it and know all these people. It's family. It's friends. It's fun. It's a beautiful game. All in all, baseball is amazing. I wish everybody could play it for at least two years. <laughs> Isn't that great? Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, and that's so, kind of what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of what we're talking about. It is. It, it, it is a representation of what life is about. And I think what you do off the field correlates with what you do on the field. I think what you do on the field correlates with what you do off the field. Yeah. And it's 
challenging. Life is hard. Life is difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's, it's not going to adjust just to make you happy. It's not going to adjust for you wanting it to be easy. Mm-hmm. It's always going to be difficult. The game of baseball is very difficult. Mm-hmm. And if you can take and learn from your experiences on the field, the challenges you have, I mean, you're talking about a game that's really designed to break your heart. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're, when you, you hit, fail most of the time, <laughs> when you hit 300 and you're considered great at the, yeah. at the big league level and even can be in the hall of fame, which means you failed yeah. seven of the 10 times that you walked to the plate. Mm-hmm. Okay? That's hard, but that's the beauty in it. Right. You know what I mean? And I think it is a representation, but it's not just necessarily just the game of baseball, but I think, I think sports mm-hmm. in general can be that because you, you have to learn about what sacrifice means. You have to learn about willing to work as, with somebody next to you and give to somebody next to you, mm-hmm. be supportive of that person next to you, because in order for you to excel in the athletic arena, like in team sports, you have to be able to work as a team yeah. and everything provides challenges. Um, and it is it is part of that, and I think people that get involved with it—that's the beauty of it. That it, it can it can it can help you with other areas of your life. It's not everything that we do. It's not who we are, but it's a big part of what we do, and it can help yeah. us with the other aspects. Yeah, and I love. I mean, I think if I would have grown up with a, a different sport as my primary sport, maybe I'd feel that way about whatever sport. Cause I mean, I enjoy watching football. I enjoy watching basketball, et cetera, golf, whatever it is. I enjoy it, but there's something about the the rules of baseball. And I say this to my wife, Kimberly on a regular basis. I think it's the perfect game. I think the rules are perfect, it, it, but I'm not saying that I'm not trying to make a, a pitch that it's a better game than other games. As much as I'm saying it's the perfect game for my mind. Right my mind sees it as the perfect game. I'm not arguing that it's better than football or whatever It's for me. It's the perfect sport. It's all the rules make complete sense of why they came up with all the rules and all that. It's just, it makes sense to me. Right. And I love it. And why is it that here, let me grab this. Why is it that after the game that we got into the finals, one of the foul balls landed on the dugout and no one got it. Why is it that I walked over and grabbed it? And because it's huge and smelled it. Why, what no, is it? Diff- about, no, that's different. You know what I mean? What is it about baseball that like, I, I'm glad that like, I know what the scuff marks probably came from. Um, the way the ball is made, the way, the way the field smells. I don't really hear people talk about that too much with other sports. There's something right. about the dirt and the grass and the glove, the leather of a glove um, that just maybe it's a tapping into a childhood or something like that. Maybe that's part of what it is. I don't know. know. Cause I'm like you, I don't want to, I mean, all sports are hard. All sports are difficult. Yeah. Yeah. But I think those that get like for me and, and probably for you that the game really resonates with us uh and because of that those little things like mean a lot to us so the way you know after you cut the grass on the infield or cut the grass on the field uh, i like the way it smells because it does kind of a little bit remind you of your childhood like after you mowed your yard or after whatever it may be 
Uh, part of it is like when you take care of the field and you edge it, that there's the instant gratification of the way it looks. Yeah. I mean, it's got straight lines. It's got precision. It's got, yeah. Yeah. There's, there's different things that you can say, but for me personally, I genuinely enjoy all those, those parts of it. So, you know, I enjoy going down and working on the field and putting an edge on it and smoothing it out, making it look really good. Um, because I just like when you flip on the TV and you're watching the game, like I look at like how the field is striped up mm-hmm. and like the straight lines and or the designs that people, the creativity that people yeah. put into the field. But just of like of having grass meet dirt, meet grass again on those fields, the transitions between grass and dirt and just how smooth and how perfect it is. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe that's just how my mind works. Same way. Yeah. Um, I have a quote from, I sent this to you, but it's the it, from that scene in Field of Dreams where mm-hmm. um, the character James, that James Earl Jones is playing. And again, people can look this up. But uh, there's something about the way he describes baseball um, that resonates with me that just kind of says it in a way that I can't. He says, and they'll walk out to the bleachers and sit in shirt sleeves on a perfect afternoon. They'll find they have reserved seats somewhere along one of the baselines where they sat when they were children and cheered their heroes. And they'll watch the game and it'll be as if they dipped themselves in magic waters. The memories will be so thick, they'll have to brush them away from their faces. And he goes on to say, the one constant through all the years has been baseball. America has rolled by like an army of steamrollers. It's been erased like a blackboard, rebuilt and erased again. But baseball has marked the time. This field, this game, it's a part of our past. It reminds us of all that once was good and could be again. And I know that, you know, other sports have grown so much that I think more and more people, or I should say less and less people are identifying with that sentiment of baseball marking the times or just more sports. And I get that. It's, It's good to have for things to evolve and progress. It's good for other sports to be emerging and thriving. And that's, that's good. But there's something in me that really resonates with, with that quote um, yeah. about baseball. You know, just I, I, when I was watching the, the games where we, when we won, um, there's something about when you said life is difficult and baseball is difficult. It's, I was so identifying with, in particular, the infielders, because that's what I played. Yeah, the outfield is so hard. I mean, the one a couple times I played outfield, I really came to appreciate how difficult it is to track a fly ball, and vice versa. The outfielders kind of playing, and they go, "I don't know how you know where to go when the ball is on the ground." It's vice versa, but it was like you know, late innings. Actually, I think it was the extra innings game, but late innings. There's this combination of this feeling of if you're out in the field, of I really hope they hit it to me because I want to win the game. Mm-hmm. And then simultaneously or back and forth, you go, Oh God, please don't hit it to me. I don't want to have to deal with this pressure. And you never know how you're going to feel some in one second, you could feel one way. And the next second you feel the other way. Meanwhile, you have no control of what it's going to be. You, you can't decide if the ball is going to be hit to you or not, because you're not in the mood for it. And that's another thing about life. You can't be like, you know what guys, I'm not feeling very confident right now. So make sure you hit it to someone else. <laughs> you yeah. just can't do it. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just part of life. Yeah. It's, it's a really unique game in the fact that it combines athleticism and it combines hand-eye coordination. 
Um, it combines strategy, um, and it and it com combines the ability of really fast events and then really slow. Then you get a break. Then you, it's then all everything happens really fast. So how fast can you process information? How how fast can you make a decision and then trust yourself and trust your judgment? And you know you could be an infielder. This is the uniqueness of the game. And I was talking to about my buddy that played in the big leagues. And he's like, you know, I've been there where I've stood on the field in front of 50,000 people, right? And probably another 500,000 people watching on TV. And I've had a ball go between my legs. And he goes, you're just standing out there by yourself. There is nowhere you can go. No one and to blame. Literally <laughs> in front of everybody. And it's like, in that moment, how are you going to deal with it? Mm. You're going to run from it? You're going to you're gonna hide from it? Or you can just go, okay, I made a mistake. I missed it. And let me do it. Let me make the next one. You know, or you're an infielder and you're standing out there and you may not get one ball hit to you. And all of a sudden, the one ball that you get could be the game on the line. And it could happen in the ninth inning. It could happen in the eighth inning. And you haven't had anything hit to you all day long. And, and it's hard. That part of it's hard. Um, and like I just was describing, if you're standing out there in front of everybody, I think we've all had those moments in life where, you know, we make a mistake mm -hmm. and you're going to make mistakes, mm -hmm. but it's, it's more or less, you've learned from it. You move forward because of it. Um, you learn how to apply it the next time you're in that situation and you, and you let it, you know, just, I, I guess the best way to put it is you just, you just grow from it, you yeah. know, and you can't run and you can't hide from it and you got to face it. Yeah, to be able to overcome it, and maybe that's the uniqueness in it. I don't know. No, that's good. I love that. I I, I remember as a kid, the way that I really learned baseball, which I think would explain why I was never good at hitting. The way that I learned baseball was a tennis ball in my garage door, mm -hmm. and I just threw. I would go outside for really, I mean, hours upon hours, and there would be like little grooves in the garage door that sometimes would make the ball scoot off a different direction. That was that was how I learned to play baseball, and so that let that let, lends itself to being a middle infielder. It lends itself to probably not being a home run hitter. <laughs> um, it was just that, and for me, it was like the side to side motion of like he's trusting yourself. Like you've done it so many times, the way the ball moves, your, your brain instantly knows exactly where to go and how to move sideways to go get it and where to end up. And so for me, the thrill of from the garage door to the field was if I can think back of a, the feeling that made me want to go back to baseball over and over, it was probably something like this ball got hit up the middle my brain knew exactly what to do in an almost impossible amount of short amount of time. I dove and got it and threw the guy out and my body had so much adrenaline thrill rushing through it. I wanted it again. You know? yeah. <laughs> and yeah. For other people it was probably the home run story, you know, but I didn't have very many of those, but <laughs> I had a couple accidental versions of the, of those. Always. But yeah, I mean, I think, for anybody, there's certain things that that probably that we have experiences that we have the game that just draw us to it. Mm -hmm. um, and it could just be for you simply just the going out and and hours on hours on end throwing a ball against the wall 
And then it's like, okay, well, how does this play into the into the game? How does it how does it how does it make me better if I'm going out the how, application applying it? How does it work when I'm actually on the field? How does it do? And so that becomes a challenge. Of, and that was, I guess, that was what it was for me that I just I had to work harder than anybody else at it. Mm-hmm. And I I just I guess it was you know when you invest a lot of time into it, then you become passionate about it mm-hmm. because you've invested so much time into it. Yeah. And I think that therefore that creates a commitment yeah. to it. And yeah, you always had the fundamentals. Time. Your fundamentals were always perfect. You you knew everything you did right. But yeah, that's the same thing. <laughs> yeah. But that's I, the same thing as before. It's like, but then you realized, okay, I'm not gonna be a professional baseball player. That's okay. Right. But I've had those moments, and I and I'm not bashful about it. Because Darren Wall, one of our former teammates, stopped by a couple of weeks. Ago. Oh, nice! And he um, had, a, he had some good movement on his pitches. I remember him. Little, yeah, and I remember one of my first starts in college. It would might have been my junior year, whatever it was, and I was playing third with him on the mound. And every ball hit to me was hit off the end of the bat. Had some mm-hmm. sort of crazy spin on it, yeah. and I had a really difficult day. I made a lot of mistakes, mm-hmm. and even to the point where. I finally got a line drive hit to me and I called it and the other team clapped for me. And it's just, yeah. you know, it's okay. So yeah, that, that day was hard, yeah. but you know, and so we were joking about that and we were able to laugh about it now. And even though like, cause I just felt like I was letting him down, sure. but you know, coach Nash left me in the game. He didn't take me out. And, right. Um, you know, and I think you, I don't, I don't know. It, it's just, it's just so many things that can happen. And, I, and I'm sure other sports are probably the same way. Other people view it the same way. And, and this is the one that, like I said, that, that I gravitated towards. And it's just kind of teaches right. so many things and so many lessons over time about how to over, deal with adversity. I there guess, we go. Yeah. And then your teammates and the, the culture to still believe in you, which I know that you guys experienced some during that, the world series, there's like a couple players that had maybe had a rough go of it either recently or a couple months before who their teammates were like, you're still my guy. I still believe in you when you're up there. We're still, we're with you hundred percent. And those moments lead to championships. And the, the, I think the more important thing actually is the life application of that, because it doesn't always lead to championships. I'm sure you've had teams that were completely had each other's backs where brothers loved each other for life, but they didn't win the national championship because not everybody, right. went, you know, um, and really uh, hard to do. That, yeah. That's the part I've actually, I've had a chance to go back and look at. And it's probably been the most part that's been overwhelming for me. It's just really hard and you're right. But I think that's why people gravitated towards teams. I had a lot of people reach out and just said, we just enjoyed watching the team play. Mm-hmm. I think what you saw there was, is, is a bunch of young men, that believed in one another, that were playing for one another, didn't really bother who got credit for what, but there was parts of, you know, some guys overcame some hardships and had some really tremendous experiences in the World Series. Mm-hmm. Um, and, or if they made a mistake, mm-hmm. it was like, we still like, we support you. Like, Hey, don't worry about it. Let's go to, go to the next one. And that's been something that we've always talked about, but, and they played hard. And they played for one another. And I think that resonated with a lot of people. And I think people saw that and they could see the desire and they could see the passion with it. And I think, you know, I don't know, there's, there's all different ways that you can describe it, but I think that's probably like, you know, when I, you and I were talking, like you had a good time watching them because you just like, you, I don't know if you could sense it, 
I, I guess, and it wasn't about sense like when they were going to win a national championship. It was just like you could sense the passion of what they had and what they were what they were striving towards. And I think everybody understands the difficulty of what they're doing. And to see them knocking on the door and and, and and taking the next step and taking the next step. Like you were there for the whole entire week and you just told me like, hey, look, I'm here for the week. So as long as y'all are here, I'm here. Yeah. But you but you dove back into it with them. And, oh, yeah. and you became a part of it. And there were so many other people that did the same thing. And I think that's what yeah. the game does. The people that have played it, the people that have been in it for a long time. Yeah. That have been around it. You know, oh, uh, so good. I got a chance to talk to a lot of the parents of the players. Mm-hmm. Eventually, they're sort of like, you know, who are you? You know, <laughs> Why are you sitting uh, up front like this all the whole Yeah. And that, that was great to be able to um, to talk with them. And uh, I think one of the memories for me, and then I'm, I'm, th- I'm, this memory, I want to transition. I'm going to talk about some quirky things about baseball before we wrap up. But uh, uh, here's a quirky thing that we all experienced that week was, let me see if I can get it all a blur to me now, but bottom of the ninth, base is loaded, two balls, two strikes, two outs, tie game. Right, that's what it was, right? Yes, that's right. And it had, and it had been raining. We were the home team, and we were, yeah. yeah, we were the home team in that one. Um, and um, it had been raining. It's tough to make a decision of when to do a rain delay in baseball. It's a bit different than some other sports in that regard because of gripping a ball. A lot of lot of factors. Um, you know, some people maybe thought it should have been a rain delay earlier. But I got to say, when it's late in the game like that, it, nobody understands what it's like to be an umpire except an umpire. So you can't, really, you can't really put blame on that. It just it just was what it was. And I think it was so late and everyone was kind of hoping, you know, we got other games and let's finish this. And but anyway, rain delay for a few hours. Three and a half. Three and a half hours. And it was stadium full of people. Nobody left. I mean, that's, that's where I had some of the best conversations with the old professors was, well, of course we're not leaving. It doesn't matter how long this takes. We'll be here. And, but the mental capacity to come back because in a typical rain delay, you'd come back, or at least my take on a typical rain delay, you'd come back and you, the first few pitches, you just get a feel for it again. Okay. What's it like to be out here and maybe take a pitch. And there's, you couldn't do any of that. The first pitch, might've been the last pitch, you know, it's, you don't, you don't know, or it could have gone to extra innings and gone a lot longer. The mental capacity for the pitcher to be able to be in their game, to be able to try to throw the ball where they need to throw the ball, the capacity for the hitter and the stress, especially as a young person, but regardless of age. And then just first pitch base hit right field game over. It was, it was the, is one of the most memorable baseball moments of my life to be a part of. We, we kind of joke about it. Three and a half hours for 30 seconds. Yeah. It was, and it was, I knew this base is loaded and the ball's wet. There's not going to be, unless you really, really trust your pitcher and catcher combo, you're not going to throw a curveball in the dirt on purpose to try to throw, to get a strikeout because the chances of a pass ball in the game ending there. On the professional level, I could have seen that as a possibility. If you have a strong hook and it bites hard into the dirt and everyone knows it's coming, but there's no way on the college level you try that. But even more than men, the guys, the game's on the line. You're in a 2-2 count. You can't go to 3-2 count. Because if you go to 3-2, then everybody knows, everybody knows what you're getting in that pitch because you can't walk in the winning run. 
and, get and a strike. A, yeah. And a, yeah. And that's a realistic possible. So you eliminate what's going on. So you, but it, it, but in knowing that part of it, and this is where strategy comes into play, you know what you're going to get in a two, two count because you don't want to go to three, three, you know, but then the, but then even knowing all that, you still have to put a swing on the ball. You still have to get a hit. I thought he was going to throw, I thought he was going to throw a fastball purposefully six inches outside because he probably still would have swung at it, but he wouldn't have been able to pull it. I, yeah, I, I don't. I, was it? I think it was just the fastball, wasn't it? Just it was, fastball, it was a fastball right there. Yeah, it was a fastball, and mm, it was a fastball that was had that was that was going to be a strike because he was again can't throw something wild. He can't throw a wild pitch fastball that's going to allow the winning run because that that's the pressurize of the moment. So every everybody did exactly what they're supposed to do in that situation. I know it was. Um, it was the pitcher did what he was supposed to do. That's right. Can't the batter did what you're supposed to do. Nothing. It's just that's how the game played itself out. Yeah. What yeah, I so love is Hunter's awareness. This is a quirky thing about baseball. Hunter's awareness, even though on any given pitch, he has the ability to hit it 400 feet over that wall. That is not when you try to hit the ball 400 mm-hmm. feet because you could just as easily and probably 90% of the time, if you try to do that, it goes up in the air and does not go over the wall. So he knew he was going to have to hit a line drive or on the ground. That's good baseball. Even if he would have grounded out to the second baseman, I still say that's better baseball than him popping up to the warning track in right field. Yeah, well, I like the fact that he got the hit personally. That was nice. And he knew we all, it, it, based on where the fielders were, as soon as it came off his bat, we all knew. Everybody knew. <laughs> it was amazing. But, then, but, but, but see, then, but then part of this, this is a funny thing. We talked to Hunter afterwards. He hit it so hard through the three four hole. The outfielder was playing shallow because of he might have thrown him out at first, right? So he's like he's halfway running, and he goes, "Oh, I got to got to go because he could throw me out." Well, if he did, then nothing counts. That's right. So therefore, he's got to he's got to sprint through to make sure he gets to the bat, and he's having those thought processes even after doing it and everything yeah. else. And I think that's my favorite part of baseball is let's say there's 150 pitches or so in a game when you're in the field. That means there are 150 different scenarios on, or not. No, there's 150 pitches where you have to think through every scenario of that particular pitch. There could ball be, gets hit to my left, my right on the ground line drive up in the air. Everything's different. Maybe that's the, the, what draws us into the game. We can think about yeah. Just, okay. There, you just said 150 pitches in the game. Think about depending on what happens when the ball comes off the bat of how many different possible scenarios you have to know before the. You have to know beforehand what you're going to do. Every guy's going to know what they're going to do. Just think about it. What should? Where should I throw it? <laughs> yeah, you, you know, it's know. it's if if the ball goes here, what do I do? And every and so every person is probably on the field. If there's nine guys, there's every every person probably thinking about through about three or four different scenarios just involve them. Each pitch and that you have to be prepared for, and that's on one pitch. And you just said 150 pitches. And if the count's different, even if the same scenario on the who's on base, if the count's different, that scenario changes. No doubt. I absolutely love it. Let me wrap it up with a couple fun things. Uh, longest game in Major League Baseball history. You don't happen to know this, do you? I didn't know it. Uh, I want to say. I don't know if I don't know which game it was, but I feel like it went. Uh, it was either nineteen or twenty innings. I think is what it was. Is twenty five innings? Okay. The Brewers and the White Sox in nineteen eighty four. Okay, twenty five innings. That's a long um, time. It says uh, 
in, but in 1920, the Boston Braves and Brooklyn Robins, who later became the LA Dodgers, played 26 innings with the score tied one to one. And after eight hours and 22 minutes of play, the game was stopped and ended in a tie. So then the question is, does that count as the longest game ever if there was no one who won? <laughs> so <laughs> that's a, a fun bit of, one. Yeah. Uh, so in, let's see here, in 1911, there was this guy, Herman Schaefer, and he was a kind of known as a trickster on the base path in particular, and he played for a lot of different teams. And he was, <clears throat> he was on first base with his teammate on third. And sometimes what happens in baseball is in that scenario, the guy in first will try to steal second in an attempt at a bit of a double steal where the catcher tries to throw the guy out at second. Meanwhile, the guy that's on third tries to take home. Sure. Um, so he did that. He tried and the catcher didn't throw it, which sometimes happens depending on what pitch it is. If it was slower, if it, it not in the dirt, you know, don't, don't bother trying. So he didn't make the throw. <clears throat> so now he's on second and third. The next pitch, Herman Schaefer, the guy who is now on second, he stole first from second base. And the catcher did make the throw. And then the guy on third did come home and score. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Uh, I have never heard that, to be honest. With you. Right. The catcher tried to throw him out at first. <laughs> Why now? So he still, he stole first base from second base, We're allowing back. the runner to come yeah. home from third and score. I love that. All right. That's the first time I've heard that one. Yeah. I don't even know if that's legal anymore. <laughs> I don't know why you'd want to do it, but I guess he was just, he was just trying to lure the catcher to throw the ball. Well, I guess he accomplished it. He accomplished it. So yeah, some, if, if a team's disciplined though, that, that, that stuff doesn't work. Right. You never know. You never know. You're exactly right. The first game ever played under the lights. I thought it was way, way, way later than this. The first game ever played under the lights was in 1880. Oh, yeah. In, I in, would not have known that. Yeah, in Massachusetts, Major League Baseball has been playing night games since the 30s. Wow. Yeah, 1949, the World Series be, between the Yankees and Brooklyn Dodgers was the first mm -hmm. game under artificial light. So really, in Major League Baseball, 1949. But technically, the first one ever is in 1880. And then I had like two more, and then we can wrap it up. I remember the Cubs' first night game was like somewhere back in the late 80s, I think, or something like that. Yeah, they were always – they were late to it, and I think it was something about the purity of it, right? Like um, Wrigley Field is – it's like yeah. that's supposed to be played during the day, and, and it takes something away. And I, and I get it. I do think that you can't see the ball quite as well. Something does seem a little bit lacking under the lights, but more games get accomplished. Yes, no doubt. Dig up more questions, more just fun little facts. And I thought I had something pulled up. Now I can't find it. But um, the song "Take Me Out to the Ball Game" was written in 1908, unofficial anthem of American baseball, traditionally sung during the middle of the seventh inning, which is termed the seventh inning stretch. 
just kind of a little tidbit for people who don't know that. But 1908, that's that's further along than I thought. And I also, you know, I was going to get into this too, but for the sake of time, I don't want to bother. But, you know, baseball was influenced by cricket and uh, kind of evolved from cricket in a way. And I've been watching some cricket just to try to figure out how it, how in the world it's played. And there's different versions of it. And some of them last for days upon days. I mean, so if somebody watches a baseball game and feels like they can get bored in three hours, I mean, cricket match can last three days, but I think I might've missed my calling Jeff because cricket, everything about cricket plays into my strengths as a player because it's like you it's not about hitting the ball far it's not about hitting the ball hard it's about having control of the bat and having the ball go certain places on the ground and then in the field it's about just like quick reaction time left and right and i was like man maybe i'm a cricket player after all <laughs> maybe that was your sport that you needed to, to dive into and follow along with and, and start trying to play and everything else yeah um so uh, I guess as we wrap up, let me ask, um, what is it? I mean, this is your first time ever winning a national championship. Right. How does that change things for you? And I don't necessarily mean from, a, from your job's perspective. I mean, it, it might change recruiting. It might help recruiting. That's not what I'm talking about. But when you have spent your entire life, ever since you were probably five, thinking through winning, well, that when you were five, it was probably the Major League World Series instead of the College World Series. And then you, you know, most people have that dream and never get it. Right. When you get it, what does it do to you? Does it make you want to be involved in the game more? Or does it make you just go, okay, I've, I did what I want to of what I've always wanted. Now I can hang it up. Like what, what does it do to you? For me, it doesn't do that. It doesn't, it doesn't go, okay, Hey, I'm, I'm, this is, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for me, it, it creates a new sets of challenges mm-hmm. and, you know, now it's going into trying to do something as we start going into next year, with this program, there's something that's never been done here before. So now it brings a uniqueness to what the year is going to be and a whole new set of challenges that you have to navigate that, um, to be able to continue to progress, you know, as a program and, or as a team, uh, that particular point in team. And it's, it's been fun talking to the guys about it because mm-hmm. they're not viewing as being satisfied, you know? So that one of the unique things about this team was, is that, yeah, obviously we got back, you know, late Sunday, you know, I late, say late Saturday night, early Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. And by Sunday afternoon, they were gone they were like, we got summer ball we have to get to or, and, or we're starting summer jobs and right. or we're taking some classes and they just went all went right back to work, but they've all talked about it. They're all relishing it. They're all enjoying it. Yeah. But it, it's like, it's a step. And, but that's the fun part in this. And that's the fun part of this progression. And for me, I haven't really even stopped since we, since we've accomplished this, I was back in the office Monday morning, staying part of my routine. Um, you know, because I tell people that that week was probably the most fun I've had as a head coach mm-hmm. and or as a coach, it was the most stress I've ever had. Yeah. But 
that experience makes you want to do it again. And every year it's going to create all new sets and challenges and, and everything else. But you want to have that opportunity to be able to go back in again and continue to experience it. Yeah. And I want to do it again. Like, I'll be honest, you know, sure. but I also know how hard it is. That's the first time we've been. I mean, I've been, I've been a coach for 11 years and that's the first time that we've been, first time that we've done it. But I want to go back again. But like, the, but you know, in order to do that, you've got to be really good again. And so that's the challenges that it is. And, and so I just, to be honest with you, I went right back to work. I haven't really stopped to think about it. I haven't really, you know, the whole experience has still been very humbling to me. Yeah. Um, because I know how many people have done this for years. You know, it, it you know, major levels, um, major division one level, division two level, division three, junior college, whatever. And it's rare to be able to do it. Yeah. And <clears throat> so it's, it's still very humbling in that regard. Yeah. Cause you guys yeah. earned it. And at the same time, the other teams did too. They just yeah. didn't win. And, yeah. and it, it, it might, you know, there might've been one fastball that was actually outside that the ump called to strike. And that was the tipping point that helped you win the game. And you never really know that. Yeah. So it, you can't say the other, other team just isn't as good. It's just like you guys worked hard and you did in fact earn it. And at the same time, it could have gone any other way too. Right. You know, and, and so it was our first time there. And we won it in the first time we were there. And you have people like, for instance, Mike Martin, who was a graduate, you know, went to here when he was a junior college and went on to Florida State and, you know, won more games than any coach in Division One history and had been to Omaha so many times and he hadn't won one. And, and so when you think about things like that and how phenomenal of a coach he was, that like we've done something that he didn't do. And so like when you start putting things in perspective and I, you know, that goes back into our earlier thing about life or whatever. And it's just like, it's humbling. Yeah. And, you know, and to think that I don't take, I mean, I do take that part serious in, in the sense that of, of like, I mean, these guys did something that's rare, that's hard to do. Mm -hmm. And that feeling of accomplishment is really I mean, it's, it's a, it's a really good feeling to have and you're proud of your guys for being able to accomplish that because they're going to have something for when they get together in 30 years Yeah, you know, that they're going to be able to talk about when they get together. Yeah. And that's the hope that they now have something that, you know, they had something beforehand. All these guys have had something before. Oh, yeah. But now this group is going to have, when they get together in 30 years, they can do it. So now everything's a little bit new and, you know, so now it's like a new set of goals. It's not necessarily a new set of goals, but, yeah, I, I, I agree. I don't think it's a new set of goals. It, you know, you and I are in different positions. You being the head coach, I don't know that feeling. But as an alumni, as a you know former player, as a baseball lover, some someone actually asked me the other day, like, okay, so now it's sort of like, what's the goal for Winget next year, national championship or, or failure? I said, no. I said, um, every ground ball, that's the goal. And, you know, I think as, as the shortstop, it's, it could be a Tuesday non-conference game, uh, you're losing three to nothing. It's the fifth inning. Right. The ground ball that comes to you is the goal, knowing sure. what to do with it and doing your job. But then to, sure. to go further with it, I, I would say uh, as a, as a fan, as a former player, the goal would be the same. And that's, let's, let's see if we can, let's see if we can put ourselves in position to win the conference. Well, those are part of some team goals. But yeah. There's bigger things that we talk about. Yeah. And and realistically, what it boils down to is this is I won't go into great detail to bore everybody about like this is our vision of the sure. program. This is what we're trying to accomplish. 
but, but it real basic, real simple. It starts boiling down to like become the best version of ourselves that we can possibly be. Mm, that's great. And that's, and that's the ultimate goal. How do we become, how does this team become the best version of this team? Does this team still have things that needs to improve on? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and that's the exciting part because ultimately it's about becoming the best version that we can possibly become and seeing where that takes us and seeing where that is. And byproduct of working to try to get there is accomplishing a team goal. And that's the unique part of like what we do and how we mold people, I think, and in, in, in what we're trying to and trying to accomplish and mm-hmm. yeah, it's a, there's always a bigger picture, you know what I mean? And, and some people look at it as like, okay, well, that's the, that's the ultimate goal. And so now we're no, it, there's always a bigger picture and there's always something bigger that you're trying to, trying to accomplish and son trying to get there. And there's, there's steps as you take it along the way and things you're able to accomplish along the way that you're able to add to that bigger vision and add, add to that goal and add to your experiences in life and, and everything else. And the one thing I can tell you is that this group for 2021 will be national champions and they will always be remembered as that. And I will always be proud of that for them. And I'll always be proud of the university for that. Yeah. Man, well said. That's why you're the head coach. (laughs) That was very pleasant. I really enjoyed talking with Jeff. Hopefully you got something out of that and enjoyed just listening to at least why we love a game and why we love a school. But thanks for joining in to Things About Things. And as always, you can go to thingsaboutthings.com for more things.